Liverpool 3 0. Corner taken quickly, Origi! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. Seven games to go, still one point behind, and who knows how many heart attacks along the way. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by James to discuss Liverpool's 2 2 draw against Manchester City and all the latest Liverpool news. James, how are you doing after the weekend? I'm just glad that game's over because it was really starting to dictate my emotions for the week. <laughs> so um, it was a pretty long week, but yeah, I'm just just glad that one's out of the way now because it's all you were hearing about on Sky Sports and finally they'll have something else to talk about. Oh, you'd be delighted then that in a week's time we do it all over again in the FA Cup. Oh, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster, mate. <laughs> We'll come on to that a, a little bit later. Obviously, our main focus today's show is that 2-2 draw at the Etihad. And as I say, it's kind of as you were in terms of the title title race. Um, Liverpool, if we were to have won yesterday, um, it would have been in our hands as, as is. It's, it remains in Manchester City's hands. What did you make of the overall spectacle, James? Um, sometimes these kind of games flatter to deceive a little bit. Um because they can be quite cagey, but this one, it definitely didn't do that from the neutral. Um, I think all Liverpool and Manchester City fans probably didn't really enjoy the game. <laughs> but from the neutral perspective, it was fantastic match football. Yeah, I think, you know, a game like this that gets talked up and gets bigged up, especially by the media, usually disappoints. It's usually, you know, a boring game because it's been built up so much, you get that excited for it and eventually you get let down. But, you know, De Bruyne scores after four minutes and then, you know, everyone's got what they wanted really, which was two of the best teams in Europe, well, the two best teams in Europe going for it. Um, nobody sitting back. Um, both teams wanting to take the three points and I think that just gives you the mindset of, of where the managers were. Um, you know, didn't look like Pep was going to be happy with a draw. It didn't look like Klopp was going to be happy with a draw the way the two teams were going on it. But now the dust has settled and I think I messaged you about it last night where I said, considering how Liverpool played in the first half, I think to come away with a 2-2 draw and to still be only one point behind Manchester City is the the, the best Liverpool could have hoped for, really. I think that first, before the Jota goal, I thought we're going to get ripped apart here. I thought City were just coming in waves and waves and it was the same thing they were doing every time, putting the ball out to the left. Then the overlapping runs from Cancelo, it it was just causing us so many problems. The defence was all over the place. And I think it goes to show the character of the team where we've come in the last couple of years under Jurgen Klopp, where you go behind against Manchester City, not once but twice, and you still manage to fight fight back and come away with a point. And the title race is still very much on because we're not coming away from it now thinking we need City to get beat and to draw a game to, to go level with them. We just need them to draw one game and, and then the windows, you know, it's open again for us. And I think in, you know, looking back at it now, I think it's a very good point considering how we played. And obviously Liverpool in the first half were less than, less than impressive. Um, I think Man City were arguably, well, not arguably, they were definitely were the better team at, at halftime. Um, Liverpool... Grew into the game, um, you know, particularly second half, given how well City started. I think they it was quite impressive how Liverpool managed to kind of keep the score at just 2-1 um, and, and then get back into it. But what do you put Liverpool's, I guess you could say, slow start down to? Because 
was it just a bit of nerves maybe you know likes of Fabinho and, and, and Matip were giving sloppy balls away um there was a couple of occasions where you know Robertson was even kind of shouting at Van Dijk and it just all looked a little bit nervy on from the Liverpool side or do we just need to remember that we're away from home again one of the best teams who've ever played in the Premier League and they're really good at football yeah I, I think it's the, the second point you've just made there I just think if Man City just started so fast in that game, they they wanted to dictate the pace of the game and they wanted to dictate how it was going to end. And Liverpool, for the first you know ten minutes, just completely let them do that. Then we had a bit of momentum once we scored the goal, we got the equaliser, and, and then it just went back into City's hands again. But I, I I just think, like you said, the fact that you're playing one of the best teams in Europe. You can argue Liverpool are the best in the city and you can argue vice versa. Uh, and any point, you know, would be valid. Um, but I, I just think the way City played, the way they were knocking the ball around, I just don't think Liverpool could keep up. And I think that's where the Fabinho and, and, and Van Dijk and Matip were giving the ball away or were caught out a few times. It's just, you know... You're getting stretched because one minute the ball's on the left-hand side and then within two passes, it's on the right-hand side and you're moving across. And the way that, the considering they don't play with a striker, Manchester City, the way those three players link together, you know, up front and, and then the wing-backs get involved, you know, Gal Walker, you know, Jao uh, Cancelo, probably been one of the best full-backs in Europe last season. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think it was one of those poor days for Liverpool. But like you said, to come away at 2-2, I think it's probably could be potentially the biggest point of the season. Do you think that Liverpool were caught cold a little bit by City's the way that City set up? Because what we're used to seeing from Manchester City since Guardiola's been in charge is a lot of their time on the ball comes in the middle of the pitch and they kind of try and strangle teams on possession. And a lot of that build-up play comes through, you know, through Rodri and then through the likes of Bernardo Silva and then um that central area. Whereas yesterday. I don't know if they're pinpointing maybe how high Liverpool's fullbacks get up the pitch. Uh, it seemed like they were really using the, those wide areas of Walker and Canseo um, a lot more than I expected them to. Do you think that was something that maybe surprised Liverpool a little bit? 100%. I think they didn't just take advantage of how high Liverpool's fullbacks play. I think they just took advantage of the high line we play. Yes, Trent and Andy Robertson push on and they push into the you know, the opposition's half, but then Van Dijk and Matip are still stood on the halfway line. And when you've got players at pace, like Sterling, Jesus, um, and then Kyle Walker, who doesn't seem to slow down, and then you've got, like you said, Joao Cancelo, who was another very quick defender. I think we sort of played into what City wanted to do. because we, we were never going to change the way we've played. We've been playing with a high line for the last three years, and you can't all of a sudden turn around and say, for this one game, we're not going to play a high line. It, it, it's just the way Jurgen Klopp plays. It's, it's Liverpool's DNA now. Um, so I just think, you know, City obviously would have done the homework and watched Liverpool and Guardiola's worked out that within four passes, he can have the ball from his centre half all the way up to, you know, his wingers on the opposite, the op, you know, on the edge of our box, which like you say, Manchester City never do. They'll take 15 passes be, uh, just between the back four and the goalkeeper before they, get the ball anywhere up the pitch. So I think in terms of who made the more of an adaption towards the game, City definitely made it because their style of play just bamboozled me as well. 
And who do you think the point suits more then? Because obviously before the game, if you'd said it's going to be a draw, that means it's out of Liverpool's hands, whereas a win, it would have been in our hands. However, given how well City played and how probably not so great we played in the first half in particular, there's a case to say that you know Klopp would probably be delighted with the point, given on what he's actually watched. But it does mean that we're relying on other teams to do us a favour um, in terms of the league title now. I, I think Liverpool have come away better and, I, and I'm not being biased and I'm not um, trying to to paint over yesterday and or whatever. It's, it's Manchester City were at home and they took the lead twice and have still only come away with a point. This was their game to really take over the title race again because like everyone kept saying and as we've said it's gone from 14 points to one point and then you know Liverpool are building up this momentum and this was the game for Manchester City to really kill that momentum because like I said before and like you've said if, if Manchester City got four points clear realistically the, the, the title's over because you, you're looking at them teams and you're not just saying right we just need one draw you're looking at it and when you go and you need a defeat and a draw which probably isn't going to happen um Whereas Liverpool have, like I said, gone behind twice in the game, you know, one nil and then two one, and they've managed to get themselves back into it. And you know, to be one point behind City with seven games to go, you know, I think anyone would have took you, bit your hand off for that at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think Manchester City would probably come away the more disappointed just because of how they played as well. Um, it, at times I thought Kevin De Bruyne was out of this world at, at some point yesterday and um, like I said if you take the lead twice at home against a title rival which would probably kill the title bid um, I think they'll probably come away a bit more disappointed than we have Given the the, last, the next seven fixtures then let's, let's take a, a closer look at those so I'm just going to read out Liverpool and Man City's fixture list to try and Obviously, football doesn't work like this, but we'll try and like do it on <laughs> do it on paper almost. So, I think Liverpool's next two are absolutely massive next two league games. Um, it's Manchester United and Everton both at Anfield. Liverpool's next two, and obviously, the the fortunes of both those clubs are much different to Liverpool this season. Um, Man United have gone from basically just fighting for top four to just <laughs> looking really unlikely that they're going to get a top four spot. So, they're kind of playing for pride in a way, and they'd probably love to kind of spit in our coffee, so to speak. And with Everton there, they're obviously just fighting to stay in the league. But a Merseyside derby, you, you don't take lightly. So those next two, I think, are absolutely massive from a Liverpool perspective. But then following that, it's Newcastle away at St James's Park. Spurs at home, who look like that look fixture, probably on paper, looks the most likely. If Liverpool are not going to win every game, that, that one probably looks the most likely where something will will give because Tottenham are in great form at the minute. I think Conte's got them playing really well and he's kind of nailed down a really good attacking trio now, hasn't he, with Kane, Son and um, Kuleski. Then it's Villa away. So Stevie's obviously going to give us the three points uh, and the last two of the season are Southampton away and Wolves at home. Whereas, contrastly, Manchester City's fixture list looks a lot kinder. Their next two, you know, we say how big our next two are. Manchester City's next two are Brighton at home and Watford at home. You know, Brighton don't really have anything to play for. Watford have a lot to play for, but that, <laughs> they look probably the, one of the worst teams in the league at the minute, form-wise. And then they go away to Leeds again. Expect them to to win that. 
Newcastle at home, again, probably going to win that. And then it's the next two where I think Manchester City's biggest chance of slipping up with is with two away games at Wolves and West Ham. Um, before finishing on the final day to Aston Villa at home, um, obviously I'm sure the script writers among us will be, you know, thinking that Steven Gerrard and Felipe Coutinho, et cetera, could, could have a hand in that. But but Villa's form has been a bit patchy of late, especially when they're playing teams above them in the league. They almost always lose uh, since Gerrard came in. They kind of, their bread and butter has been the teams in and around them really, not really troubling the top six too much. So can you can you see it happening when I read it out, read the, read the fixtures out to you there? Who do you think is more likely to, to drop points? Let's put it that way. I think... There's only there's only two fixtures, one fixture each where I think a team can drop points. It's Spurs at home for us, and um, sorry, and it's Wall, it's um, Aston Villa, uh, not Aston Villa, West Ham, and Watford away um, for for Manchester City. I think you don't want to write them off, and you don't want to try and rub the salt in the wounds. But Manchester United and Everton, this is. You could talk about playing for pride, but this this is the worst United and Everton team we've seen in the Premier League era, really. I think Liverpool, you know, should be putting those two teams away pretty easily. Um, and then for us, the likes of Newcastle away, if you'd have asked me four weeks ago when they were on that decent run and they won so many games in a row when they were going unbeaten, then you know, you'd say, all right, okay, maybe. But I think because they know the... They pretty much know they're safe. I think the wheels have started to come off slightly for them. Um, but there is just West Ham away and Wolves away. I mean, we needed a last-minute winner against Wolves. Origi came off the bench. Um, and I think that's where I see City slipping up is them two weeks. Um, but like obviously going back to what you said before was, if it was four points, there's no way I can look at them fixtures for City and go, they're going to lose one of them and they're going to draw one of them. I see it more likely that they will draw one of those games in, in seven weeks. Um, and I think West Ham away is going to be the one. Um, David Moyes masterclass. Um, there's just something about West Ham. They're just so unprecedented. They've just got beat by Brentford at the weekend, but like, they always seem to raise the levels against the big team. You know, they've played really well against us home and away this season. Um, they've beaten Chelsea at home this season when you know Chelsea were were fighting for the title earlier on. Um, you know, they, they really are just one of them teams where on there any given day they, they can beat anyone and you know, just gotta hope it's that day. But yeah, it's it's looking difficult. I think there's only one fixture where, like I said, both teams can will likely to drop points and it's West Ham away for um City and it's uh, Spurs at home for us. They're the only two games I can see other team dropping points in. Fingers crossed. Uh, obviously, it works, works in our favour and we'll, we'll be sure to keep <laughs> updated as the season progresses and we get more and more grey, I'm sure, as every passing <laughs> week goes by. But the, the, this fixture has been, you know, it's been hyped up a lot by the press, as you'd expect, you know, in the last few weeks. And I think now people are really starting to appreciate Guardiola and Klopp for what they are, for their how good they've been since, since they've arrived in the Premier League. And, there's been a lot of talk this week about whether this Liverpool and Manchester City period, probably from like 2018-19 season to now, is the best Premier League rivalry of all time. Um, obviously, there's been a lot 
made on social media about this. I think Manchester United and Arsenal fans don't have much else to hang on to at the moment. So <laughs> they're kind of claiming that obviously the, the rivalry they had late nineties, early nineties with Ferguson and Wenger was was way better. Um, Jamie Carragher wrote a piece saying that he thinks this one is is the better of the two, Liverpool and Manchester City, purely because of the absolute quality that's on show. Whereas those other examples that have given there, while they were great teams, they weren't probably as elite as as we are at the moment because they didn't do a great deal in Europe. Whereas you know Liverpool and City in Europe at the minute are probably the best two teams. Um, where do you you stand on on this debate? Do you think what we're seeing now is the best it's ever been in terms of a, a, a rivalry? I think it's coming more from the the quality of what the two teams are producing. I think, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw it, there was a, a statistic going round in the last four years. Uh, Liverpool and City have got something like 381, 380 points over the last four years, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think... I, I had this argument with my friend on Saturday. We were were talking about the same thing and he's a United fan and he was saying it can't be, but it depends how you interpret it and it depends which way you go about it. The United and Arsenal rivalry does have this. I mean, that's what I grew up on. You know, the... Nostalgia, isn't it? I think a lot of these things come down to nostalgia and people... Yeah, you've got... Better when you were kids type thing. And that was, as you say, our generation's main main rivalry in terms of Premier Leagues and stuff. Yeah, the, the, the Vieira and the Keens um, bust up in the tunnel and Benga getting sent to the stands for kicking a water bottle and stuff like that. It's, you know, there the, the were these iconic moments in the Premier League and I just think now we're starting to see a different kind of... It's not a rivalry where, you know, big tackles are going in and managers are getting sent off and players are getting sent off. I, I think it, it, more of a rivalry and just to how many points they're accumulating. You know, like we were saying last week, um, to win a Premier League now, you can only afford to lose three games. Whereas, you know, back when United and Arsenal were winning league titles, not to take it away from them because they were winning league titles when we were just trying to finish in the top four, but, you know, they were only needing 75, 77 points, which, you know, it's like an extra free, free victory. So, yeah, just one of them. Um and I think, I don't think it's the best Premier League rivalry. I, I'd still stick with the United and the Arsenal one. Um, mainly because I just don't see City as that sort of rival. I, they don't wind me up like a United or an Everton do. It doesn't get to me. Um, so, yeah, I'd stick with the nostalgia one. But if, if it carries on for the next two, three years, then I think you've got an argument to... To not just say it's the biggest rivalry, but just to say that the, the, the two biggest clubs that, um, the two best teams that I've ever played in the Premier League, just for the sheer amount of points. You think it's different in the sense as well that we talk about the Vieira and Keane and the Ferguson and, um, and Wenger and you know the iconic images of Martin Keown and Rudy Nistelrooy and stuff like that. And it's like, with this one, there's a lot more respect, it feels like. It doesn't feel like they hate each other. It doesn't feel particularly nasty in the sense that Maybe it's because the Premier League's moved on in terms of in terms of the game and, and like player welfare and that kind of thing. But some of the challenges what used to go in 
you know, be putting in in the nineties and, and early noughties. You don't really see that in the Premier League these days, just because it's all it, the game's changed and the game's moved on and it's evolved. But we see Guardiola and Klopp yesterday. <laughs> I've been like, <laughs> you know, it's been the biggest kind of no, you're the best. I oh, know I love you more kind of thing, hasn't it? They've been absolutely praising each other in every single press conference for the last week, it feels like, and probably will happen this week as well with the, with the, the, the game at Wembley. But you think that kind of level of respect between Klopp and Guardiola and we saw Kevin De Bruyne and Virgil van Dijk having a lovely chat at the end of the game, which I'm sure Roy Keane was angry about because they look like best mates, even after just, <laughs> you know, they're your nearest title rivals. Even Trent Alexander-Arnold was having cracking jokes with Guardiola at full time so there seems to be a lot more it seems to be like everything's left on the pitch a bit more whereas when you when the players go home they don't they're not thinking about how much they hate City whereas I can imagine the likes of Roy Keane and Gary Neville during those uh those years for United and Arsenal really literally hating the other people whereas this is kind of just they just can appreciate that it's sport and obviously it's massively competitive and there's huge things at stake I don't think for a minute that they underestimate how big it is, but the game is just not inclined that way so much now with the, with the nastiness between teams. There's more of a mutual respect between great coaches and great teams. I just think, I just think the nice guys. I, I think that's what it comes down to at the end. Of the, I just think Klopp and Pep realised that, you know, if it, if it wasn't for Klopp, Pep could have had. Champions League by now because we knocked them out and you know they were probably a better team than us in, in that year's competition. Um, you know, and Klopp realized that if Pep wasn't there, then he probably could have had another three or three or four <laughs> Premier League titles. So I just think it's a mutual respect. Um, but I haven't got a problem of what happens, you know, after the full time whistle, as long as, like you say, the, the players do the jobs on the pitch and, and, and they put the shift in. Um, I just think, you know, we st- you go back to, you know, Gary Neville talking about England, where the England United and Arsenal players and Liverpool and Chelsea players all sit on separate tables like kids. You know what I, you know what I mean? You're grown men at the end of the day. <laughs> um, you know, that that's primary school stuff. So, yeah, I don't really care. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne came out and explained why he spoke to Van Dijk. It's because the two kids go to the same school and they see each other every morning when they drop the kids off at school. So I think, you know, if, if, if lives become in, into, into wines like that, um, then you know, there's nothing you can really say. Um, I just think it's, if, if that boils your piss, then I, then I just think, you know, you just need to get a life really because um, you can't say that, you know, the two sets of players didn't give their all on the pitch. You know, Thiago looked absolutely flattened at one point when he, he was starfishing on the middle of the pitch. Um, and I guess it, it is a bit more of the, maybe that the foreign influences within in the, the Premier League now were, you know, you go back to, like you said, then the, the Roy Keane and the Neville, you, you looked at them Arsenal and United teams, you know, 70% of them were, were English, you know, British lads and probably, you know, felt it a little bit more. You know, and then if you looked at the Liverpool team yesterday, there's only Robertson, Henderson, and Trent in that Liverpool starting eleven that, you know, of of British origin, and that's what I just think it is. I think it's, you know, that side of being you know multicultural and and having you know different cultures within the dressing rooms, different cultures handle different pressure and tense moments in different ways, and 
I just think you've just got to get on with it, really. I just think it's pathetic if you, if, if that's annoyed you. Yeah, agreed. And before we move on, we're just going to have to put you on the spot again and say, given what we've seen <laughs> yesterday and what we've talked about, who's going to have the Premier League title in their hands at the end of the season? It's hard to call. It, I still think it's us. And I, I, there's just... I was having this argument in the put. I was at a christening yesterday and I was having this argument yesterday. I just think to still, like I said, to still only be one point away. The pressure's not on Liverpool now. The pressure's on Manchester City. They've got to keep that one point gap. They've got to keep winning. You know, Liverpool's just got to match Manchester City's results. Hope they slip up and capitalise on it. Um, And, you know, for them to have gone from 14 points down to one, could have took it to four. They didn't. Just seems to have a, a bit of an essence of when they, you know, clawed it back against us when we were seven points clear. Then we played them and it could have gone to 10 and it didn't. And then it went to one point a week later because they had games in hand. And um, I just think it's this season is really throwing me back to the the uh, the 90, 97 point season when we finished second and, and City finished on 98 points because, you know, we went on that 10 game winning streak. You know, City have gone on 14-game winning streaks, and I don't think, you know, apart from the year we won it, I don't think we've gone on a winning streak like this in all competitions for for a long, long time. Um, Champions League, League Cup, FA Cup. Um, so yeah, I, I just think the squad depth is going to help us out as well because we can afford to rest players against Benfica. Maybe Salah gets a rest, whereas City against Atletico Madrid, you know, we know what it's like to play them. We were 2-0 up and, and they came back through 2-2 and, you know, we lead a last a late penalty from Salah. So I think that's where, you know, things could come into Liverpool's play. Next up for Liverpool is Benfica at Anfield, as you mentioned there. Obviously, we take a 3-1 lead from Lisbon into this one. Um, it's a difficult one, really, because it's still a Champions League knockout, but it's, it seems unlikely that Benfica are going to win by two clear goals on the night to force it to to extra time, and, and even you know less likely that they're going to win by three goals to to win the tie outright. But obviously, it's not done until it's done, and, and you want it to get wrapped up as soon as possible. You don't want any any nerves um, creeping in. But what kind of team do you think he's he's going to play out there? Obviously, this game is sandwiched between both both those two Man City teams. So I imagine we'll see the likes of Canate come in for for Matip, and, and maybe Kaita will start for. Um, for Henderson or, or one of the other midfielders, but how does how much rotation are you expecting to see? I'm probably expecting uh, about three or four changes. I think Allison will keep his place. I think Trent um, Trent will probably keep his, and then he'll go Van Dijk and Canate. Might even see Timakas at left back, um, and then Diaz, Firmino. And Jota could be the front three. Um, and then the midfield, I think this is probably where you've got the biggest worry because I wouldn't want to take Fabinho out, but also the way he played on yesterday and the amount of games we've got coming up in a short space of time. Is this a good time to just take him out just for the for the one game and give him a bit of rest? Um, I expect Naby to start. I thought he yeah, actually didn't do too bad when he came on yesterday, but... Um, you know, we pushed high up the pitch, which is opposite to what Henderson did. So, three or four changes. Um, but you can't go too weak because, you know, we did see in that first leg, they can cause problems once they get in behind you. And, you know, that Nunez up front, you know, 
had a few chances, you know, and he took one of them. So now the away goal isn't in play. It, it, it just brings a different mindset to it because now I'd say, you know, just, just rest everyone because Benfica we need two goals. You know, if, um, but now with the away with the away goals not coming in, um, it just has a different thing. It just has a different feeling into into the Champions League. Both sides have got to go for it now. No one can afford to sit back anymore. So, yeah, just make three or four changes. Keep it a little bit fresh. Canate always seems to do well when he comes in. And then you, you move on to Manchester City at the weekend. But I think this is the last time Liverpool are, are really going to have time to rest any plays before the FA Cup semi-final. And then there's seven important fixtures. And with Salah, you mentioned there, maybe he's one that gets a rest. And I think probably a lot of Liverpool fans would agree that it probably is a great opportunity for that, given his form lately. We spoke about it a lot last, last week, um, the various reasons why it might be. So we don't need to kind of rehash all that again. But how did you think he, he did yesterday? Because I think it was kind of difficult to really, really judge with the type of opposition that we had. But for the other two guys in, in that front three, Scores, Shota, Mane and, and Salah. He had a couple of moments where he had the ball in the box, but he didn't really have much to do almost through no fault of his own. But yeah, do you, do you think now is basically, like you say, a good time to just take him out and then hopefully he's fresh for Wembley and kind of get him going again for the last quarter of the season? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, even though he didn't score yesterday, he still had a big impact on the game with that amazing ball through to Mane. So it's not like he's not having an effect on the game. But I, I do think I think he's had a rough couple of months in terms of, you know, Egypt getting beaten in the African Cup of Nations, um, Egypt not getting through to the next round, to, to the World Cup finals, and obviously contemplating retirement. And you saw him when he looked, you know, coming off the pitch, when he was doing interviews after the game, he looked absolutely distraught. And then obviously the the elephant in the room, you've got the, the contract situation, which, you know, it's, it mustn't be easy for him. He was interviewed with Sky. Um, and, he, you know, he said, it. you know, it's not a nice situation to be in. He wants to stay, but, you know, obviously he wants to be paid what he thinks he's worth. So I just think take him out for this. Um, because, like I said to you, I think we'll progress now to the next round. And then it's where do you start resting these players again? <laughs> because... Like you said, on Bayern Munich, are you? Say, for example, it's Bayern Munich in the next round. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because you know you're not going to go to Bayern Munich and win four 0 away, and being able to rest your whole starting eleven for the home leg, or, or yeah. you know. So, I just think we've got to be smart now. We've we've resting players as good as our squad depth has become um, over the last you know since January and since the beginning of the season with players coming in and, and no new injuries. Um, I think you know you've, you've got to start managing players' game times. A lot better now. Next up after after Benfica, it's obviously Manchester City again. Um, how do you see his approach in this one? In some ways, we had a bit of a not a dress rehearsal. Yesterday was definitely the main event, but we've done it once in the, in the short space of time. So you think that you'd expect us to be not better prepared for something? You know, they do so much research and they know way more than we'll ever know about preparing a team for <laughs> game of football. But you think it will have helped? having played them so quickly that going into this one, we're kind of used to the, their patterns a bit more. Maybe there's a little less pressure because, you know, as much as the FA Cup's important, it'd be really nice to get to the final, it'd be great to win it. 
the title is the big one. So the bigger of the two games has gone out of the way. So maybe a few of the guys, if they were feeling nervous yesterday or or weren't completely at it for, for whatever reason, that this is kind of time to put it right in a way and just show what we can really do in, in an attacking sense. Yeah, 100% agree. I think it'll be able to show everyone what we can do in defensively as well. I think, you know, Liverpool are now going to be better equipped to know how Manchester City are going to play in terms of, like we said, you know, moving that ball a lot quicker from, from back to front. And, you know, you don't really think about it, but you've heard managers say when they play on a Saturday, so Manchester City will play on Wednesday night and then they'll fly back. So they'll only have training Thursday, Friday, and then they've got to make their way down to Wembley. And and then you're playing on Saturday. So I don't really think there's enough time for, for the two managers to to tweak anything or to come up with a, with a new master plan because you've got Champions League quarterfinals to worry about and then you've only got two days training and you're back in. Um, obviously, they'll be doing the research for Atletico Madrid now. And and so it, there's not much time between games now to start to adapt to, to other teams' play. You've just got to go and play your game. And if Manchester City try and play the same way, um, then obviously Liverpool will be better off because of how they played yesterday. Um or if Manchester City decide to, to go back to the way that they just, just passed the ball from side to side. And I think that'll suit Liverpool as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'm definitely more confident going into the Wembley game, um, mainly because I don't know how strongly the two managers will take this one. Obviously, they'll play the start in 11, but I don't think there's to be so much bothered if they got knocked out in the semi-finals. I think it's just all about the Premier League and I think that's what, you know, the main attraction, like you said, that was the main event. And if you get knocked out in the FA Cup semi-final, yeah, the, the quadruple's gone and you want to win every competition you're in. But it's another game for Manchester City to play. It's another game where they'll have to play a game midweek after a cup final because the fixture pile up. So could end up working into Liverpool's hands again. But, you know, I, I definitely don't expect the game to be as stretched as it was yesterday because yesterday was just like a basketball game. It was, you've got the ball, you try and score. Now we've got the ball, we'll try and score. It was just a crazy game. How important do you think is a, a fast start from Liverpool? Because we've not, I don't think Jamie Carrick said in commentary, we've not started our recent fixtures particularly quickly. And yesterday was obviously an extreme example of that. But behind within you know, five, six minutes and looked really on the ropes for the first period of the game um, against Man City what, what's worked for us historically has been fast starts kind of blowing them out of the water before they've got time to set up particularly at Anfield um, so how important is that going to be in this fixture? It's good well it's, I think we're now seeing just a completely different Liverpool team where they feel like at any moment they, they can change the game they haven't got a we're not seeing the old Liverpool where they were you know, going out, scoring four goals in the first 25 minutes and just completely killing a game off, I think. We're now seeing a more mature Liverpool team. And I was quite shocked to hear uh, yesterday that Liverpool have scored the, more, the most goals in the second half than any other team, which is quite surprising because usually, like you said, it's the first half that Liverpool have always, you know, been 2-0 up at half-time and then, you you know, you can come out and you don't have to, you don't have the same intensity. Um so I definitely think we've become more of a second-half team um, recently. But I think in an FA Cup semi-final in a game, especially against Manchester City, I think those City players when they scored yesterday after four minutes, 
the relief that those players would have felt. And then you start playing with confidence. The way they're knocking, knocking the ball around yesterday was a joke, to be fair. So, you know, it'll be good for Liverpool to get that early goal, get that confidence, get the tail up um, and just really go for it. And then, you know, I think a lot of people would have looked at it and said that Liverpool were poor yesterday. It was, you know, it was all about Manchester City and Liverpool just had two chances and they took them. But, you know, at Wembley, um, I don't think there'll be many City fans there. <laughs> um, judging from what they're, they're giving away, four tickets for every person. Whereas, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, you're only getting one ticket per allocation so um I think you know I think you know the team should just go there play with confidence um start fast and the you know the game will handle itself and I, I am more confident and I, I do think Liverpool will progress to the final. And there's a couple of people I want to mention team team selection wise um who didn't start yesterday uh, let's start with Naby Keita um obviously Jordan Henderson started wasn't a surprise he starts pretty much all the big games um at half time, I think we we were talking, weren't we, on, on WhatsApp, and we were saying he was pretty poor. Um, I felt like he, I couldn't even really remember much of him, even on on the ball. And when, when you know when he was on it, didn't really impact the game that much. I think as the game went on, particularly second half, I think he added more, and he was as the whole team were more comfortable. So was he. Um, I think defensively, there was a couple of moments where City kind of broke into our box, and he did really well, just to kind of shepherd you know people people away um but when Naby came on it was obviously not a huge amount of time but he looked a lot more forward thinking um a lot more composed a lot calmer on the ball do you think we may see in the semi-final Kaita starting with Thiago and Fabinho as the midfield which is the what we were saying last week is is probably on paper Liverpool's best midfield however for big games it's probably the most risky as well yeah, I think I wasn't, I agree with you, I wasn't surprised that, that Henderson started the game. I think I was as the captain of the club and the player with the most experience in that Liverpool team, he's been there the longest. Um, and the way he does lead on the pitch, um, you know, I did fully expect him, expect him to start, but he didn't really cover himself in much glory yesterday. I think there was a few times where He's just, he's just not getting to them 50-50 balls as quick and he's just not... Is you know Sometimes we've seen him playing some un- unbelievable passes and you know, there was that one point yesterday where he tries to chip it over the top and there's just nowhere anyone near it. So I do think he'll probably go the same midfield. I think he'll still go with Henderson, Thiago and, and Fabinho. Um, I just don't think he, he trusts Naby as much for these big games and I think that's got something to do with you know, go back to that Real Madrid game last year where he took him off before half time to bring Thiago on. Um, and I, I think if Henderson, Klopp knows that if he puts Henderson on the pitch, he will get the work rate out of him and he will get the closing down out of him. And I think with Naby, it's more of a yes, he'll do his best to do that, but there's a chance he's just going to get injured because anytime he, anytime he sprints, you're holding your breath that he's not going to pull his hamstring again. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be the midfield to go with. The only criticism I may have had yesterday and what I hope he doesn't do on Saturday is I think the substitutions were too long. I think we waited too long to make... I think Diaz should have been on a lot sooner. Um, and I think you know, we, we spoke about it last week and the one change I would definitely make is Firmino's got to start ahead of Jota. I know, I know Jota... Yeah. I know, I know Jota scored on, you know, in the game, but 
you know, you don't realise it until you, you know, you really focus on him. How much he just gives the ball away. It's he, he, he's very wasteful with his passing, and his closing down. You know, it's just nothing to be compared with Bobby. And I think you saw Bobby come on, um, and you thought, I thought to myself, if only he came on ten minutes earlier, and that you, you you never know, and defenders second guess themselves. You know, John Stones knows with Jota, he's just going to stay on him, and he's going to try and make the runs in behind him. But then John Stones doesn't know with Firmino whether to go with him to stay back. Is he dropping into the number ten position and the wingers are going to run? But it just adds, you know, a, a whole different dimension for Liverpool. And I think that's probably the, the main change I think we need to make on Saturday. Is I think Firmino needs to start up front and we roll with the ones that got us there and one last dance. Yeah, I, I was saying exactly the same. We spoke about it last week and I thought when sort of lineups. Even, I thought, oh, I wish Firmino was, was playing. And even though Jota scored, <laughs> there was a moment where my mate, you know, who I was watching the game, was like, oh, you're saying Jota shouldn't have played and he scored? Like, what do you know type thing? It's like, yeah, fair enough. Klopp knows better than me. But then he, even in that first half, after Jota had scored that, that goal, I just was like, he's just not. He's great. He's got so many good attributes, don't get me wrong. And this is why we're, it's fantastic that we've got five forwards who offer something completely different and they're all got different attributes and they're better at different things but I just thought yesterday especially in a away game it's just, it was just crying out for Firmino and what he does the work he does off the ball there were so many moments where the ball had been cleared by Van Dijk or Matip and it was coming to Jota and instead of taking a touch or controlling it he was just like heading it on or just kicking it on and just conceding possession immediately to City and it was they were already kind of you know had us on the back foot so at that point you just need to get your foot on the ball and kind of even if you're just getting it on your foot on the ball controlling it and just passing it back to Henderson or Fabinho in midfield or back to your defenders just to have a bit of respite I think that's so important against City is that you give yourself a chance to breathe when the game's not going against you you need that yeah, but also as well is how easy was it for City to pass through our front three yesterday? There was there was just no pressing from 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 either of them really, and I think that's why City knew well were able to just go one pass from the centre half to the midfielder out wide to uh, Sterling or uh, Jesus, and then you had the overlapping runs, and then that's where the, the the problems were coming from. So I think if you have Firmino there from the start, somebody who's going to put. John Stones under pressure, who has significantly significantly improved under the, over the last couple of years, but he is still very you know he is a big liability with the ball at his feet. You know he still gives the ball away in stupid areas, and he's he's not a strong defender. He's a very you know, he's a very slim defender, and I, I don't think he's he's great at protecting the ball. If if you know an attack, if he's going for a 50-50 tackle, remember when uh, was it? Yeah, when we beat them four three at Anfield. Um, and the, the Firmino goal comes from Firmino just shoulder barging John Stones off the yep. ball, and then he then he chips Edison. So you know, I'd, you know, and you're going back a long time towards that. But if, if that's already in John Stones' head, then I think you've got to play on it. And like I said, somebody who isn't who's who is good on the ball, but is likely to give the ball away in stupid situations out of the City defenders is definitely John Stones and. In these big games, you've got to try and capitalise on it. Yeah, 100%. So we'll see what happens uh, in the kind of the rematch, so to speak, and then obviously Benfica this week. And then we'll be back next week to discuss the results and 
more massive games because it'll be Manchester United, Everton in the next game week. So we've got that to look forward to. But James, thanks for your time as always. No problem. Thanks. Thanks very much for having us, mate. Good to speak to you as usual. As I say, we'll be back next week. And until then, you can get plenty of news from us on our Twitter at Anfield underscore central and on our website, anfieldcentral.co.uk. Until then, thank you and goodbye.